All right, today we're in Romans chapter number 4. This will be Romans class number 11. Romans 4, Romans chapter 4, verse number 1. Let's read a few verses here. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Now these are uh, four very great verses for starting off this chapter. This chapter is a great chapter. It explains a little bit about the imputed righteousness of Christ, which is which is pointed at very greatly in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested and Philippians chapter 3 talks about the righteousness which is in the law Paul said that the righteousness which was in the law according to that he was blameless which simply means that he did what was required of him as the uh, uh, as the law was concerned he did what was expected of him in regards to doing the right things but he also did that which was right in regards to when uh, when the time came for a sacrifice, he performed the sacrifice because he understood that uh, that the law was not just moral, it was also ceremonial. He performed everything that the law required him to do. When you sin, there's a sacrifice. And so there, there are stipulations throughout the law of Moses that put requirements both on the nation and on the individual. And so the righteousness that was in the law is very clear, very, very easy to be understood. It's, it's a point-by-point point rule system that's laid out perfectly for you there in the Old Testament. Now, it might be somewhat hard to keep track of all of it, but I say that as you read through the whole of the matter, it's very easy to understand. So there is a righteousness there is a righteousness in the law. And so being blameless doesn't mean you've kept the whole law, but it just means that when you uh, have uh, come to a certain point or place in your life, whether it be circumcision at eight days old or whether it be the uh, sacrifice made in the temple or whether it be a purification because of touching the unclean or touching a dead body, all these things are are in their total uh, the right thing to do the right thing to do in your life, the right thing to do in your marriage, the right thing to do in regards to leprosy, the right thing to do in regards to a whole myriad of things. And simply Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 3 that according to the righteousness that was in the law, he was blameless. Just as it says in the uh, book of Timothy that he, when he says that a bishop uh, must be blameless. Well, he's not talking about a man that's without sin. He's talking about a man who is uh, studying the scripture. He is uh, not a novice. He is hospitable. He is uh, not slothful in business. I mean, there's many, there are many uh, stipulations for a minister, for a preacher. Many stipulations for that. Well, he's not saying that he's sinless, but he is saying that when he does something right, he does it right. And when he does something wrong, there has been a sacrifice made for that wrong. There is 
there's a place where a preacher might need correction. If he takes correction, he's blameless. If he refuses correction and goes on in his pride and foolishness, well, he has stepped outside of the bounds of what a bishop ought to be. As far as disqualification goes, I, I would really say that that would be a case-by-case basis, but at the same time, you can see if a man is walking worthy of the vocation wherewith he's called, in, in which case he would be blameless, or that you could see that if he was walking foolishly according to his own will, his own obstinance, his own hard heart, then then he's not blameless and, and really unqualified. Uh, as I said before, disqualification from the ministry uh, certainly would be a case-by-case basis and very, very fearful ground knowing that the gifts like being born again and the callings like being a preacher or a witness or a pastor or whatever the case might be the gifts and the callings both of God are without repentance and that's talking about God's repentance God's not going to change his mind about what he calls a man to do a man just uh, might find himself walking unworthily of that position in which case uh, he ought to either repent and get the thing right or or he really should stop before he is doing more and more and more damage in the place that he happens to be ministering in at any rate we go back to uh, romans chapter 3 and he talks about verse 22 even the righteousness of god which is by faith and of course this brings up the topic of abraham in chapter 4 and imputed righteousness which is a great portion of what uh, romans chapter 4 is about but then he says in Romans chapter number one, uh, or excuse me, Romans chapter four and verse one, what shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh? So we're not talking about in this case salvation, although uh, it is talking about salvation in the sense that salvation is excluded from the flesh. It's excluded from being obtained by the flesh. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh? hath found and but don't don't uh, overlook that phrase as pertaining to the flesh it has great meaning without that phrase it changes everything you could get great misconceptions about what's being said here matter of fact you could take verse two as a negative statement rather than a positive statement verse number two for if abraham were justified by works now we're talking about as pertaining to the flesh if abraham were justified by works he hath. Now, the book in the book of James, you'll find that uh, James tells us, and I guess whether you believe James, the book of James is the inspired word of God or not is up to you. I believe that it is. And so the context of James is the very same as this context. And James says that Abraham was justified by works. Now, you have to ask yourself, if Romans chapter 4 says that he, that Abraham was justified by faith without the works of the of the flesh without the works and deeds of the flesh and the book of James says that he was then the context must be different or else it's a contradiction it's not a contradiction the indicators are here in the book of Romans and there in the book of James that show you that he is talking about two different things. Here in the book of Romans, he's talking about as pertaining to the flesh. 
Also, the book of James speaks, uh, speaks about Abraham being justified by works. And he's, he is in that uh, situation talking about uh, in the flesh. And so really, a lot of people would think that Romans chapter 4 is in disagreement with the book of James, but it's not. That's because they see verse number 2 as a negative rather than a positive. Verse number 2 says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath were off to glory. That is a positive statement. Now, the negativity comes in in the next phrase, but not before God. You are justified in doing whatever God has told you to do. This is going to come up again in Romans chapter 14 and again in the book of Corinthians when people who have uh, studied the scripture, especially in the day and time in which Paul is living, there is many, many believers who believe in Christ who have been subject all of their lifetime to the law of Moses, to the Old Testament scripture, and that subjection to the law, which is the word of God, but that subjection to the law of Moses has worked in their own consciousness an idea that certain things in the flesh are wrong and certain things in the flesh are right. And so the book of Romans, especially in verse number chapter number 14, deals very strongly with that. But these things indicate that uh, that in verse number uh, chapter number four and verse two that there are some things that you are justified in doing. Well, I I see that you did this or I see that you did that. What's your justification for that? Many times we make justifications for why we do a thing or why we omit a thing. Many things are right to do. If you quit smoking, you're justified in doing that simply because of the benefits uh, to your health. If you stop, uh, you know, going to nightclubs and start attending church, well... You're justified in doing that simply because the way of the transgressor is hard and the way of the Bible is right and good and beneficial. You're justified in doing that. But going to church does not make you equal with God. It does not, going to church does not forgive your sins. It, it, going to church is not a ritual that will uh, make you on equal footing with God. And so, therefore, uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse number 2 says, If Abraham were justified by works, he hath were off to glory. Uh, thank God I started going to church. Thank God I did this. Thank God I did that. Thank God that at 10 years ago I made this certain decision and I followed through with it. And I'm reaping the benefits of it today. Glory. It was the right, it was the right thing to do. You're justified by works, but not before God. Going to church didn't make you uh, didn't make you equal with God. It didn't make your righteousness equal to God's righteousness. It didn't save your soul. It didn't place you in a born again uh, condition. Doing right is right. You should do it. You're justified in doing it. There will always be a justifier in doing it. Doing the right thing has benefits. Doing the right thing has benefits for a man who is lost. We learn about this in the book of Acts when there was a, uh, when there was a centurion who was worshiping God, who had a heart towards God and a heart towards God's people, 
but yet he was not born again. And the visit of a preacher and the preaching of the gospel took care of that situation for him. He was justified in what he was doing, but not before God. He was justified in the things that he did, but that justification didn't save his soul. It didn't make him, uh, it didn't put him in a, in a situation acceptable to God. But God sent him a preacher and God sent him instruction and he followed that instruction to the saving of his soul. And that is exactly what's being uh, said here in Romans chapter 4 verse 1 through 4. You can do the right thing and you ought to do the right thing. But doing the right thing, whether it's uh, Old Testament revelation or a New Testament moral revelation, makes no difference. Doing those things is right to do. It's good to do. Otherwise, God wouldn't have said to do it. But what he's saying is is that doing right things, uh, following the commandments of God, doesn't make you uh, born again, unless it's the commandment to believe on his son. I will put that in as a stipulation. For if Abraham were justified by works, James will point out some of those works that Abraham did that justified him in the flesh. He was right for doing them. He should have done them. And I wish you would keep that concept in your mind when you see the word justification now there is a justification by faith with which the rest of the book uh, or the rest of the chapter I should say of uh, chapter 4 goes on to explain but there, uh, there is a justification by faith which is a divine justification it's a justification that you receive when you put your faith in Christ and not in your own works when you cease to put faith in, in the right things and the right actions that you've done as a vehicle toward your salvation, as a vehicle to carry you to salvation or a vehicle to carry you to God. And you begin to put your faith in the finished work of Christ on Calvary in which He was, he was crucified, died, was buried and rose again when your faith is placed in Christ in that regard, you're justified divinely. You're justified by God and you're justified by faith in His Son. And these are different. Being justified and doing right things which have a, which have a, uh, a positive reward, doing right things from which you expect to re, uh, uh, reap good benefits, being justified for the, uh, by those things is a justification that only... Uh, passes through to the flesh itself, to the life itself, to your existence, to your conversation, to your lifestyle. Those things, you can be justified and you can glory about those things, but not before God. There is a justification uh, in this world, in this life, that is higher than any justification that you can find in your own actions. And that is what Abraham found as pertaining to the flesh. Now, he, said, he goes on to say, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So, the doing of deeds, the following of direction, if God gave him direction and he followed it, then those things are not the things that, that moved God to count it to him for righteousness. In other words, he says, leave your country. Abraham left his country, but in in return for leaving his country, God did not 
count that to him for righteousness. It was a right act. It was the right thing to do. And he was justified in doing it. It became a great uh, advantage to him and a great advantage to his children after him. But it didn't make him equal with God and it didn't give him God's righteousness. Now, in light of that, verse 4 says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt. Now, when you do a thing and you receive something from it, it's, it's, it is the wages. It is the product of your work. And when he says it's, uh, that, the, uh, that the work and the reward that comes with it is reckoned to you, it'll be re- reckoned to you as grace, as, as debt, pardon me, and not grace. Now, when you believe God, you hear what God says. God has spoken to you, which God speaks to us through his word, through his Holy Spirit. And those things are inseparable, the spirit and the word. If God speaks to you through the word, it is the spirit that is speaking. When God speaks to you and you follow that direction, that is faith. And the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse number 17. When God speaks to you and you believe him, the belief imparts unto you the grace of God. And God gives you his grace because your works in some area of your life may be justifiable and you may be justified in doing them. But in some other area of your life, you're faulty, you're proud, you're foolish. Uh, there's a multitude of, of classifications that you could be classified under. There's a multitude of sins that you can be guilty of. And so your good works doesn't do away with your bad works. The good things that you do does not do away with your bad works, those are still there. You might be justified in doing the things that you do, but you're still faulty. You may be justified in following this direction, but you're still faulty. You're still foolish. You're still sinner. Your sin is still applied to you. But here he says Abraham believed God, and as a result of believing God, it was counted. The belief was counted unto him for righteousness that's a spiritual operation and it's a spiritual justification now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace but of debt if a man were saved by his works he he could not be considered saved by grace if he performed actions which stood him in good stead with God to the place where God was going to bring him to heaven based on his works then that would be a reward it would not be Grace, and when I say it would, would be a reward, I, I should I should be very clear because the, the word reward is in the verse. Oftentimes we think of rewards as as you know just gifts, but that's that's really not the same thing. Uh, we want to be very careful, and we want to pay very close attention to that. Now, to him that worketh is the reward. See, it's it's a job performed and wages received. He said, now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So when the Bible says the wages of sin is death, that's a a debt that's owed to you. When you break God's uh, principles, when you break God's rules, when you break God's will, boy, that's a very powerful way to look at it. When you break God's will, your reward is death. And that's what we find from Adam clear, clear on through the book of Revelation. And so he says also that 
The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, and that is by grace. And so in the first four verses of this chapter, you have a great summary of what you'll be getting throughout the rest of this chapter. And of course, in verse 5, he says, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, that justifieth the ungodly. Now, you, you can't put that word ungodly back up there with good works or being justified by works or being justified in doing a thing. Uh, as I said before, Abraham and any other character you can find in the Bible did some great things and they were justified in doing them. They had were off to glory because of those things. But that good works that they would be glorifying uh, or that they would be glorying in didn't do away with their ungodliness. Verse number 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. And what a great summary that is in verse number 5. Again, of the whole uh, chapter uh, number 4, of the whole Romans chapter number 4. It's a great summary of that. Uh, 1 through 4 is a is an overview of the idea. Uh, in summary of the chapter and verse number five is a complete summary of the chapter and it, then he gives you an old testament idea an old testament picture of the righteousness that comes through faith in christ even as david also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom god imputeth righteousness without work saying blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. See, the man is ungodly. The man has sins. But because he's believed in God, because he's believed God's word, because God made him a promise and he believed it, God has covered his sins. Now, we know that that's done in the New Testament because Christ died for our sins. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, I believe I'm a sinner. And I know I'm ungodly, and I know that Christ paid for that sinfulness and for that ungodliness. Uh, that's my only way out. That's my only escape. I believe that. I trust that. God covers up my ungodliness. God covers up my unrighteousness. But he, he doesn't wink at them. He washes them away in his blood. The, the death that I deserve was died on the cross. <laughs> I, I said that intentionally. It didn't sound right, but I said it intentionally. The death that I deserve died on the cross. The reward for sin, the reward for my labor that I deserve, the wages of sin is death, died on the cross. Jesus took my place on the cross. He died for me on the cross. Every man that dies without Christ is a wasted life. It's a wasted opportunity. Jesus died for all. Uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and it's a, great, it's a very great statement. It's a very plain statement, and I wish more uh, would be paid attention to this. Uh, but in chapter 5, verse 14, he says, The love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And, and that dead condition that we were in because of sin, that died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. And as he goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and tells us that we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead be you reconciled to God. So here's this saved sinner uh, preaching to the world 
And again, he said, again, pay very close attention to the, to the wording. We beseech you in Christ's stead. He said, we, uh, we pray you. I, I lost the word there for a second. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. So here's a lost sinner that's, that is beseeching the world, preaching to the world to be reconciled to God. But he says, we pray you in Christ's stead. And it's that very same sense that the saved church is now in the stead of Christ. Christ came here and died in our stead. We could not die in our own stead. If we did, we would die in our sins. The wages of sin is death. Well, there is a penalty for sin beyond death. If we died in our own stead, we'd get, we would reap the second death uh, out of the judgment that you find in the book of Revelation. But because we're saved, now we're, we are praying the world. We're preaching to the world. Be ye reconciled to God. And he says that we're doing that in Christ's stead. So Christ came in our stead paid for our sin debt now we are in Christ's stead just as Christ did when he was on the earth uh, trying to reconcile the nation of Israel trying to reconcile the circumcision as it'll tell us in Romans 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 and 12 uh, then we are we are put in that same place in Christ's stead to reconcile the world to himself. We are the mouthpiece. We are the witness. We are the preacher. We, we, are a, we are a body of Christ preaching to the world to be reconciled because we ourselves were reconciled by the death that Christ died for us. And because we put our faith, the, right, the righteousness that Christ had in his life, the righteousness that Christ fulfilled in his life is imputed to those for which he died. Christ died for me and took my sins. He gives to me his righteousness and it's a matter of faith. Not, the, not a matter of any work I might have been done even though I was justified in doing it. Uh, again, the reasons for being justified in a, in a fleshly act are many. And I gave you those examples at the, uh, toward the beginning of the class. So we won't go back over, there, over those again. Even as David also describeth, uh, verse number 6, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. So we will point out one more time, you, if you're justified by doing something in the flesh, you may very well be justified. But the fact that you're justified in doing something right doesn't give you divine justification. It doesn't place you into the body of Christ. It doesn't make you a born-again creature of God. Doing those things are right and good, and they will have benefit. You're justified in doing it. You should have done it. But what you're also, what you also should be more mindful of than that is the justification that comes through Christ's life, through Christ's works, through Christ's actions, through Christ's sacrifice. Putting your faith in those things. His works are better than my works. His life is better than my life. His life is justified not only in the flesh but in the spirit because he was God's son. Above that he was God manifest in the flesh. And so my faith is not in my own works even if they were right works and good works as Paul says in Philippians chapter 3. 
the righteousness that is in the law, uh, that is according to the law. He said, blameless. He said, I'm blameless in those things. But, he said, those things that were a profit for me, those things that were a gain for me, uh, he, had, he gained advantage by doing right things and, and things that God commanded him to do. He, he certainly did gain a great advantage by those things. But he said, those things which were a gain for me, he said, I count, he said, those things are, uh, I count those as a loss. He says, I count those as, but dung. The good works that I can do, the good works that I should do. Those things uh, comparable to the righteousness of Christ, are, they're dung. Compared to the knowledge of Christ, those things are dung. And that's about as, that is about as low a classification as you can possibly give anything. And that's very, that's uh, saying that you're justified by doing a thing is, is not necessarily a situation that I would call pride. You ought to go go about life learning things that you should do and do those things. And when you do those things, glory. You can glory in those things because you are you're going to benefit from those things. But at the same time, it's it's not just a uh, that's not a position of pride if alongside of those things you magnify the works of Christ and the merit of Christ so highly that the good things that you've done in your flesh, the things you should have done in your flesh, and that the things that you followed through with in your flesh, good things, right things, consider those to be but dung. You can't rightly say that you're holding a position of pride when that is your outlook considering these things. Now, because of the the failures of the flesh, because of the the limitations of my mind, uh, and because I know that uh, I haven't done uh, a world class job in explaining these things, I would go back and listen again, and listen again, and listen again. Because the reason, the sense of the matter is is there, and the sense of the matter is brought out in this passage of scripture. If you have trouble seeing it, read it. If you have trouble understanding it memorize it pray and ask God God help me to see these things and understand these things because they are there Uh, in the Christian life there is going to be a constant there is going to be a constant temptation to magnify one of your two conditions as a Christian and one of your condition, one of your conditions as a Christian is that you are God's son. That is your standing. That standing was bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another temptation is going to be to magnify your state, your your physical condition. Are you obedient? Are you disobedient? That is your state. Some people look at those things are titles, but those are titles that you deserve. Uh, you're faithful or you're unfaithful. Some people will try to uh, minimize those things because those are just titles. And, and oftentimes I think people believe that those are man-made titles and they are not. People think that those are man-made descriptions, but they are not. Those are God-made descriptions. God looks at a man and he sees them as faithful or unfaithful. He saw faithful Abraham and he rewarded him for that. And he gave him, he gave him a challenge to move. He said, get out of your father's country. And he did get that out of that. And he was justified in doing that, but he didn't make, that didn't make him right 
righteous before God. When he said, hey, I'm going to do this for you. It's something out there in the future. But I'm going to do this for you and I'm going to give you this great blessing. Now what you can do is you can believe that or disbelieve that. And Abraham believed it. And for that, God gave him his righteousness. Now those are, those are two different things. Following a rule or a regulation is right. If the rule is right, it's right to follow it. And you have, uh, you have something to glory about because there's advantage in doing the right thing, but not before God. And that is, that is the gist. That is the, that is the summation of what Romans chapter 4 and 5 deals with. And here in Romans chapter 4, it gives a great explanation. It, it, it begins to reveal itself in chapter 3 and it really, it really builds in Romans chapter 4 and, and gives way to chapter 5 through 10 in such a way that really uh, you can read the book of Romans once a day if you want to. I'm not trying to hinder you in that way, uh, but really find a time to get in Romans 3 and slow down. Romans 4, and slow down. Read what's being said. Dissect it by its verses. Dissect it by its phrases. Dissect it by uh, any way that you can. Look at it. Study it. But these are some great important things that are going to help you when it comes to being tempted to focus only on your state, only on following rules, only on your actions. And with that, you will neglect the idea that God has made you his son he's justified you himself he's redeemed you himself and so that is a that is a uh, very big mistake to emphasize one of these uh, one of these classifications over the other you begin to focus only on your standing I am God's son he has bought me with the price I am his and and he has uh, redeemed me and he has saved me and he's given me a new birth and he's made me a new creature and I'm holy I'm righteous I'm without spot I'm without wrinkle and you emphasize that to the point where you don't uh, consider your standing your state rather you don't consider the state your state of being uh, you don't consider verses that tell you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. You don't uh, consider verses that say, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And you don't consider verses that say, be ye holy as I am holy. Uh, you don't consider verses that say, uh, keep yourself in the love of God. Then you're going to be imbalanced because you're not considering things that that it's God's will for you to consider in your everyday life. It's a, it is a consideration of both your standing and your state and you get to considering that uh, only your condition your manner of living the state in which you exist uh, that could lead to some dangerous places and you only consider that I'm saved and and my standing is the only thing that matters you can neglect some things that will go a long way in your testimony your power with God the answering of your prayers uh, we we are welcome into the throne room, room of God principally because we're saved by grace. We're saved by the grace of God. We are God's sons and we are welcome in the throne room of God. But we also must remember that our sins will separate us between our God that he, that he will not hear us. First John chapter 1 says if we walk in darkness, he said we have no fellowship. We can't fellowship with God. And of course, if you don't 
count prayer as fellowship, then you, you've uh, missed the mark somewhere in your studies. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So we walk in darkness. We walk along in darkness and still consider our standing uh, uh, and we consider that we're sons of God and we consider that we can just pray. And, and No, sir, the, uh, you certainly can pray, but that prayer must start with forgive me of my sins. And not just a, not just a lip service, God forgive me of my sins. Be mindful of what sins that you're uh, in need of forgiveness for. And get those things washed and get those things clean because your, your state certainly does have a very strong influence on your fellowship with God. And again, a big part of that fellowship is prayer. There's no way to get around that whatsoever. All right, now we've went a little long in this class, about six minutes long. And so we'll pick up in verse number nine, uh, verse number seven, eight or nine, somewhere along in that And in that section that we'll pick up there in our next class. All right. God bless you. Have a good day.